I think I was told three times a day that I'm ugly, stupid, and boring, and that's why we don't have friends. But in my mind, and I once said to him that I can't be ugly. I won beauty competitions, and I can't be stupid because I have a Bachelor of Science degree, and maybe I'm boring, but I can't help it that I'm boring. Well, then he just beat me up. So then the more you object to what they say, the more you get beaten up. And it's very painful. But you know, this I never told him, is that if you hit the same spot after the third hit, you can't feel anything because your skin goes numb. So he could carry on hitting and it wasn't painful. So shouldn't really talk about this. I am Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a really special, fun episode of the Mind Valley podcast. So, firstly, we are recording this in front of close to 400 people live. Our guest today is I'm so excited to interview this woman, May Musk. May's new book, A Woman Makes a Plan, just got released. May is 72 years old. She is the world's oldest supermodel. At 71, she was the CoverGirl brand's oldest model. She is a force to reckon with. She was a born adventurer. Her book is so absorbing. I started reading it today. I'm already at chapter 10, and I'm in the middle of a workday, and I am so delighted to have you join us. Now, for those of people who may not know May Musk, I bet you, you have heard of her children, Tosca Musk, the filmmaker, Kimball Musk, the restaurateur, and Elon Musk, who is today probably the most famous entrepreneur in the world. So this interview is going to go into many different directions, and I'm recording it from my home. I'm here in Estonia, and coincidentally, today, my mother is visiting. Mom, come and say hi. So my mom is over here. This is so cool seeing hi. mom come, mom, come closer so the camera can focus on you. Yeah. This is so cool seeing. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have something in common. Seeing May Musk and my mom meet, this is so much fun. So mom, you can have a seat over there and you're okay. welcome to watch. And mom, if you have any questions, yeah, yeah, if you have any questions, that'll be great as well. Okay. I love if the you, title of your book. Yeah. Thank I'm going to give you a copy yeah. of the book. Yeah. Did you say you're in Estonia? Yes, I'm in Estonia. Fantastic. Tallinn is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen. Really? It is. So I was married to an Estonian and we decided to move here in the middle of the pandemic. So my kids go to school here. Tallinn is gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. If you're Estonian, if you're Estonian, say hi. When were you here, May? What brought you to Tallinn? About 10 years ago, I went to a wedding in Finland, Mm -hmm. in Helsinki, and Then we took a boat over. That was fantastic. It was a big surprise. It was like a fairyland. I know it is, isn't it? So I live right in the old town. Like literally you walk out of my apartment and we're at the center of the fairyland and the world's biggest Christmas tree is just outside. You just gave me the perfect opening line for the interview. You took a boat over. Let's start there because one of the most intriguing things about your life when I was reading your book is how you were born to a couple that were adventurers. And they hopped on a boat and sailed from Canada to South Africa. And that adventuring never stopped. You grew up exploring the deserts of South Africa, looking for lost cities. When you were six years old, your parents attempted to fly a plane to Australia and back 30,000 miles. 
Tell us about that sense of adventure growing up and what it infused in you. Well, we were, you know, Canadians. Can you imagine in 1950 to come over? We had to come over in a cargo ship because my dad had removed the wings from his plane. He had a single-engine canvas plane, Belanca, and he'd already explored the USA and Canada. So now he wanted to explore other places we'd barely heard of. Remember, there's no internet. <laughs> and so then we went to South Africa, and then he put the wings back on the plane, and we got on the plane to fly up to Johannesburg, because that's what they said in Cape Town. They said, Johannesburg, they speak English, and Pretoria, they speak Afrikaans. So you can't go to Pretoria. But when we went across Pretoria, it was jacaranda time. Have you ever seen the jacarandas in any country? No, it's a beautiful flowering tree, correct? Yes, lilac flowers lined the streets. And my dad had never seen anything so beautiful because Saskatchewan was kind of flat, wheat country, farming country, very flat. And here we had little hills with these beautiful lilac blossoms. And he said, we're going to land here. And he landed there. And that's where we found our home and started from that. Then they were researching the Kalahari Desert. And they also did the Cape to Algiers rally. They were co-winners of that. Can you imagine going from Cape Town to Algeria? All right. But then the big trip was, and they're the only people in the world to have done it, is to get in the small canvas plane with a propeller plane and with a compass. But there's no radio. And even if there was radio, the airports they landed in didn't have radios and they didn't speak English. So it wasn't like they needed a radio. Then they went up Africa, across Arabia and Asia, then across the sea to Australia and then back. I don't know how many times you've been in a single engine prop plane, but it's pretty tiring. It's not comfortable. They were flying a plane by themselves with nothing more than a compass, no radio, nothing, no modern technology. And it was you, your twin sister. No, we didn't go with them. We didn't uh-huh. go with them because the back of the plane, they had to put the gas tanks, the petrol tanks, because they couldn't get across the sea without refueling on the way. We were left behind on that trip, definitely. We went and- to the Kalahari Desert, though, every July. So I see how in your family line, there's been this sense of adventure. Now, one of the other things I found really interesting was the explorations of the desert, hunting for this lost city, traveling into a desert for three weeks and making do no matter what happened. Tell us about that. Well, we were kids and all our friends would go to the beaches. We had to go to the Kalahari Desert because my dad had read the book by Farini, which said there's a lost city, but Farini had found it in the 1800s. He'd found it by Oxwagon. So my dad said, well, if we follow what he did, but we kind of calculate the mistakes he could have made with his compass, (laughs) as well as how long it takes an Oxwagon, we'll go across the desert. So when you go across the desert, you actually have to have permission from the small town of one house, you know, to get to anywhere in the desert. Because, of course, if you get lost, they have to send the camel patrol out to find you. Know, if you don't return in three weeks, they have to come and search for you and follow your tracks. Did you say it's called the camel patrol? Yes, yes. They had camels. I have a photo of three policemen, really, on camels. Yes. Now, I was really curious about this reading your book. Do you think there was something about that adventuring that your parents had that you later picked up and then infused into your children? Can a sense, can an attitude like that be passed on down the generational line? 
It seems that way because my dad had said when we went into the Kalahari Desert, he wanted to show we can rough it, you know. So we would sleep on the ground with a sleeping bag and then you zip up the sleeping bag so the hyenas don't bite off your face. And then we had one cup of water, my twin sister and I shared it, where we could wash our hands and face at night. And then in the morning it was frozen, so we'd have to break the ice and then wash our hands and face. So you can live with very little. And so that's why, as I say in my book, I mean, when I was living in a one-bedroom apartment while I was continuing my studies and my kids were in the bedroom and I was in the living room kitchen, And it only cost me 77 rands a month, which was like $77 a month. But again, it was early 1980s. And we didn't have a problem with it. My children never complained. And they even said it was quite fun, you know. And you could get uh, secondhand uh, school uniforms. And there's, there's many ways. And then Tosca was working in Toronto at a supermarket. And they had, they would give special discount to the staff when the food is best by date. They have to sell it the next day. And so they could sell it to the staff for 50%. So then you had a variety of food that we could get at 50% off because it was past the best by date. You figure out things. So connecting the dots, there's something really interesting about what you just shared. I love the humbleness of your upbringing and how you passed it on to your kid. So those of you who are listening, as I'm reading A Woman Makes a Plan, this very intriguing story about May, about how when she got her first paycheck, the first thing you bought was a carpet because you had no chairs in your apartment. So you just got a carpet so your kids could be comfortable. And then the second thing you bought was a computer for Elon and Kimball to sit in the carpet and play with that computer. The bareness of the upbringing is astonishing to me. And it reminds me, of an interview I heard your son, Elon, give to Neil deGrasse Tyson in Neil's famous podcast. And Elon said something about how he wanted to see if he could live in a dollar a day. And he found that living in an American dormitory, he could live in a dollar a day. He'd just go buy ramen noodles and he could survive. And he said that after he realized he could literally survive and not die on a dollar a day, it gave him the courage to do all of the other epic things he did in his life. I know. All my children have have a survival skill that way. And, you know, the thing is when you're trying to survive, you don't go to the hairdresser. You have to cut your own hair. And I cut my children's hair. And I always said, thank goodness we didn't have a mirror so they could see the back of their heads because I'm a bad (laughs) I mean, I wish I could cut my hair now. It's already getting long. But it's COVID hair, you know. You can do without luxuries. Funny enough, when my Brothers and my twin sister read my book. They said, we didn't know you were struggling. You never complained. You never asked for money. I said, well, what would I ask for money for? To go to the movies or go out for dinner? That's, those are luxuries. I would ask if I needed it to pay the rent or to pay the schooling, then I would have come to them. But public schools were very inexpensive in South Africa so and in Canada too. So I didn't really need money for that. And secondhand school uniforms were very inexpensive. So I didn't need money. I only needed it for luxuries. And I can do without luxuries. I was working too hard anyway to even go out for dinner. So this is the big question that I'd love to ask you, because I'd love to understand how you now view this with your 12 grandchildren. It's 12 still, right? Yes, yes, So, So your kids are all now incredibly successful. Elon Musk is the third richest man in the world, right? And Elon has five kids. Six kids. He has six kids now, right. How do you ensure that your grandchildren who are born in luxury, in wealth, still have that survival instinct? 
you know, my grandkids are really well behaved and they aren't entitled. And if I hear any cheekiness at all, I will catch them right away. I will not tolerate disrespect or selfishness or being mean. I just jump right in on that. The point is they're really nice kids and I'm, I love it when we have all 12 kids and the oldest and the youngest play together and there's no meanness there and I, I like that. Makes me happy. In your book, you wrote about how you insist on spending 30 minutes one-on-one with each grandkid every was, week. Yeah, that was when I first moved to LA. You, can you imagine five boys? And they can be pretty raucous. I had two. That was a handful. So then I just took 30 minutes with each one to show that they need to be polite at dinner and that not to talk over each other. And then I also wanted to get to know them better because I'd moved to Los Angeles to be near my grandchildren. My daughter had twins and she needed me here. So from New York, I moved here. But I'm going back to New York. (laughs) I'm moving back because Elon has moved to Texas. Tosca's Uh moving to Georgia. I'm in Los Angeles for my grandchildren and my children. And I don't have to be here so I can start all over again. Are you excited about New York? Very excited. Are you still uh, modeling in New York? Well, I model all over the world. I was modeling all over the world, but I have a big job tomorrow. Can't tell what it is until it comes out (laughs) because everything's top secret until it comes out. But And it's for Italy. So it's a Mm. job in Italy, but in Los Angeles, a fashion magazine. And it's just very limited now because there's just very few people on set. They all wear masks. They all do COVID tests. But the creativity is there. Some of the designers, a lot of the designers are sending fabulous clothes for me to wear, which is fantastic considering I'm 72. (laughs) That's amazing. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions on that. But first, we have a leading question from Irina Shehosov. So Irina, I'm going to make you a panelist. I'm going to give you a chance to come on live, turn on your webcam and ask the question and interact with me. Okay. I'm going to ask Irina to take over for a moment. I like to do this, May, to allow our audience members to step on stage and interact with these guests like you that they are so excited to interact with. So guys, please give some support to Irina. Irina, you're about to come on and interview May Musk. Okay, trust you got your webcam ready. I'm now making you a panelist. Hello, hi, 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 May. Thank you, Vishen, for making me a panelist. Amazing. So my question is, what is the most important trait you want to instill in a child? Well, first of all, where are you from? I am from New York, and I'm a single mom of two kids. And your accent is from where? Russian, Russian. Ah, it's not. Spasibo. Spasibo. That's mainly, yeah, you know, I don't know too much. But my book's a bestseller in Russia. And what do I instill mainly? I like them to be considerate of others. Mm-hmm. Don't always think of yourself, you know. People are very entitled Let them just be kind to others. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. May, let's pick up on that. Kindness, right? Kindness. Your children aren't just building businesses. Your children are building businesses that are actually, in a way, healing the world, right? Yes. I I consider they're doing good things for other people. Yes, they're doing good things. Like Elon wants to move the world 
beyond a carbon economy. He wants to back up the human species by colonizing Mars. Kimball is doing so much good work in terms of organic farming and farm to table. Kimball is also doing vegetable gardens in underserved yeah. schools because these children don't have access to fruits and vegetables and have never eaten them. So he's already built 650 gardens in schools and he has a team then come in every week and teach the children to plant the seeds, water them. When they pull, say, the carrots out of the garden, they are so excited because they, they can't believe it. And the funny thing is getting kids excited about vegetables makes me so happy because I'm a dietitian. But unfortunately, the schools are closed, you know, so we'll have to start again once they open. So, Irina, thank you so much for your question. Thank you for stepping up on stage. And May, I'd love to ask you this. How do you install kindness, kindness and care in a child? I was in a nurturing profession where I helped people to eat well. I had always my practice at home. And then only after the children left home did I have an office away from my home. But they saw that people would come and see me. And then when they eat better, they're happier and they're healthier. And you could see that you're caring about other people. And then my parents were Canadians. They cared about everybody too. My dad was a chiropractor. So he, kept, he kept people in better health. And I don't know why, but they, my kids are the same. They find a goal that will help mankind or help like Tosca with her movies, her Passion Flicks app that she, or platform it's called, where she has romance movies where the men and women get the same pay and the female directors and they romance stories with happy endings so that the women here are not abused, tortured, you know, violated. They are intelligent, successful, but, you know, drama. There's drama because it's a love story. <laughs> so, and then she also teaches men how to be romantic. Through her movies? Yes. So they should watch her movies on Passion Flicks because she says she, when she's on set, she teaches a man how to just touch a woman's face. I mean, that's better than grabbing her and gripping her. Just touch her face gently and she will be, you know, fall in love with you. <laughs> That's so cool. So I want, to, I want of you guys, if you have an iPhone, just Google, remind yourself to Google Tosca Musk and Google will show you a list of all her movies like Driven, Hollywood Dirt, The Matchmaker, Afterburn, Aftershock, A Kind of Magic. And they are all beautiful romantic movies that actually teach people how to be in healthy relationships. So it's really, really, really cool. Now, mom, as you're listening to May, do you have a question that you would ask May? Hello again. And just wondering, how do you do all that? How do you do all this? Good food, dietitian, you're a writer, you're a model at 72. Starting oh. business in eight cities and, and three starting, countries. And yeah. now I start my business in the back to New York, so the ninth city. Starting your own business in a new city or a new country, I don't recommend it. It's really hard. And in the beginning, you're really struggling to get out there. I'm very well organized. And I used to sometimes overdo things, but now I don't. For example, I'm speaking to you, then I only have three other interviews today. <laughs> only <laughs> you know, three other interviews today. <laughs> you know, Germany, China, that type of thing. <laughs> because my book went international. I space things out well. As a dietitian, I had to I book my clients every every half an hour. So I was always on time for that. And my dad also said, 
that you need to be five minutes early to show respect for the other person. So I'm always early, even for this. May was early by several minutes. I plan my days well, and then when other things come up, then I plan it again. I mean, that's why I say a woman makes a plan, but it's actually a man needs to make a plan too. But that's what my editors thought. That's what they got from my book. And the thing is, I do plan my days, but things go different and wrong. And then you plan again so that you get towards a place where you are in a good situation. So you can't do take on too much and then you space it out. And that uh, I've become very good at, but I'm 72. At long last, I'm good at it. <laughs> I went through many struggles in my life where things were not, where I didn't get out of a bad situation quick enough. And so I suffered and I had a lot of pain. <laughs> so May, that leads to a question. Yeah. I'm very related to what you ask, right? May, I'm going to talk about some of the, the darker parts of the book in a moment, but you were once a plus size model. Then you went deep in nutrition and you transform your health. What is your secret? What, is, what would be some of the biggest tips to people here who are listening? Well, first of all, I got my first degree, my Bachelor of Science degree at 21. All right. Then in my early 30s, I was divorced and I had the opportunity to study at a university and I did my Master of Science degree. But I had also gained 65 pounds. That's about 30 kilograms. And I'd been through, well, I'd had a fiance and he got another model pregnant and they moved in next door to me and I was very sad. So I ate my way through that lot. You know, I love sweet food. So I'd have three desserts. I love burgers and fries. I would have fried chicken. I love chocolate. And I would just pile it on. And I thought at some stage I will stop gaining weight. But I didn't. I just kept on going, going up in weight. And then the weird thing was that plus size modeling became a thing in the 80s. And I, I was the first plus size model in South Africa. I didn't want to model as a plus size, but you know, I needed the income and it paid well. And I represented some brands that were doing plus size clothes. So then as a dietitian, but I would still lecture as a dietitian, still see patients. And I would say to them, you do what I tell you to do, but don't do what I do. <laughs> that's, that's how I had to do it. But then when I got to around 40 years of age, my cholesterol went up and my knees and my back were hurting. And I could either go on drugs and painkillers or I had to get my weight under control. So then I lost the weight, 30 kilograms, by eating very well every day. I would not budge. You could put cakes and chocolates in front of me. I would not touch it because I wanted to be in good health. I didn't want to, you know, I was still had three kids. I had to be in good health. And you work, I would get more work if I was a like a size six model, I don't know what the sizes are in Estonia or Europe. It's probably a size eight in Europe. A size six is not a size zero, like many models are, but then I didn't need to be. I was already in my 40s and I was a standard catalog model. That's the standard size for a catalog model. So that really helped when I moved to Canada, to Toronto, and my funds were blocked in South Africa. So then I could be a standard size six. And that got me a lot of work. And, you know, I had to survive. But even now, it's so hard for me. I have to watch. I think I've got now the COVID-5, which means you've been, <laughs> I've gained five pounds this year, which is, I've been as good as I can. But then, you know, bring me a tub of ice cream and I can finish it. <laughs> we can all relate to that. Funny, because I was just, yeah. I was just offering my mom ice cream, like <laughs> like four tubs of ice cream. Like, mom, oh, I'm I love ice cream. I love ice cream. Are so, you in Marina Del Rey now? 
Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles, but I'll be moving to New York next month. That's fun. New York must be, it must be great to be going back to New York. My friends are so excited. Of course, when I said I was going to move back, they all found apartments next door to them. (laughs) 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 But but then none of them were suitable for me and my dog. So thank you, Mom. Okay. Lovely seeing you. So cute. I'm so excited that my mom got to meet Elon's mom. This is is cool. And this is my mom's first appearance in the Mind Valley podcast, right? She's visiting me. Yeah. I'm so honored. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's great. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining Mind Valley All Access. Now you can sign up to Mind Valley All Access and unlock every Mind Valley program instantly. Get access to transformation from all of the world's best minds in everything from parenting to biohacking to mind, body, spirit, entrepreneurship, work productivity. Learn from the likes of Ben Greenfield, Jim Quick, Shafali Sabari, Stephen Kotler, and more. All available to you for less than $2 a day. Simply visit mindvalley.com forward slash now. That's mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. And you'll be surprised to see that Mindvalley All Access now comes with advanced technologies to completely transform your learning, your networks, and your human connections, including our new private social network for students, Connections by Mindvalley, and our Altered State Inducement app, Ombana, which complements our regular training with Altered State methodologies to transform you at a subconscious level. Check it all out on mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. Mindvalley.com forward slash now. So May, I want to come to chapter nine of your book. In chapter nine, you talk about the pain you went through in your marriage to Elon's dad. And I'm not asking you to share that because it's in the book. I'd encourage people to read the book. It's gripping. But what I found intriguing is you mentioned how you kept feeling that there was no way out. There was no way out, that there was always a way out. And you mentioned, if anybody is in this sort of situation, you have to escape. I'd love for you to talk about pain and the role pain plays in transformation. Now, the reason I want to ask you this is because in 2010, I went to visit SpaceX and I, I met Elon. So we were in a boardroom and I asked your son a question. His answer was really interesting. I said, Elon, if I were to take you and put you in a blender and distill you and extract your essence, right? The essence of Elon Musk as a distillate that anybody could like take a drop off and become like you. It was meant to be a joke question, but Elon answered. And he said, my essence, I think if you could distill me down, the one thing that makes me unique is that I have a high tolerance for pain. And that really was really intriguing. I've never heard anyone say that. Most people would say, oh, vision or drive. But he said high tolerance for pain. And your book also talks about pain. I'd love for you to talk about pain and how your family has been channeling that for good and for self-transformation. Yes. Well, as I say, my marriage was painful physically and mentally. And anyone in an abusive relationship will relate. And it seems like there are many Women, mainly women, I haven't had many men saying that they are upset that their wife's abusive. Actually, I haven't heard that at all. But I have heard women who are really suffering and they cannot get out. They just don't see a way to get out. And then when they read my book, they say there's some hope for them. It's, there's insp- inspiration. And the thing is, 
when you are in that situation, first of all, you have no confidence. I mean, I think I was told three times a day that I'm ugly, stupid, and boring, and that's why we don't have friends. But in my mind, and I once said to him that I can't be ugly. I won beauty competitions and I can't be stupid because I have a Bachelor of Science degree and maybe I'm boring, but I can't help it that I'm boring. Well, then he just beat me up. So then the more you object to what they say, the more you get beaten up. And it's very painful. But you know, this I never told him, is that if you hit the same spot after the third hit, you can't feel anything because your skin goes numb. So he could carry on hitting and it wasn't painful. So shouldn't really talk about this, the memories. Anyway, but now other women are in worse situations than me. They don't have my education and their husbands are even more violent. And so some women are killed and tortured and locked up. I mean, they're in worse situations. I wasn't in that situation. I did have a great family. I could have run, run away and stayed with them, but then I was scared he would attack them. And also, you know, I wanted to do it on my own. And actually, my family didn't even know about it until, as I say, my two brothers and my sister read about it. And they said, you could have come to us. And I said, I was taking responsibility for my own choices. And I'd made a really bad choice, but a great sperm donor, you have to admit. I have three fabulous kids. I mean, can you believe that? <laughs> Who knew there was such a thing? So I said, out of that marriage, I got three wonderful children, and they were always good to me and kind and hardworking and supportive. So that was that. So I had a huge advantage over many women who don't have that. But they still, you can't get up every morning in an unhappy situation and know that will never end because that's how I was at the time. And I thought it will never end until they changed the laws in South Africa and I could get divorced for irretrievable breakdown of marriage. Before that, a woman can't divorce her husband because wow. he beat you up. Yeah, it was quite misogynistic over there. You know, men, it was accepted. And even now, I believe it's even worse now because I get, you know, DMs on Instagram telling me that, that the situation's quite bad there now. But then it seems now that my book has gone worldwide and it's a bestseller in countries like China, Taiwan, Russia, Turkey, South Africa. Then you realize that women are really relating to the abusive chapter. Yeah, I know. That's a beautiful chapter. And I just want to urge all of you listening to this in the podcast, read this book. I would recommend this book for anyone out there. I was planning on skimming through it. We'd done all the research and questions to ask you. Your team had given us some suggested questions. But as I picked up the book, I couldn't put it down for an hour. I made it all the way to like chapter 10. And then I got on the call with you, but I had to pause when I read that chapter about the abuse because it is, it is striking. We don't want to talk about it right now, but I do want to encourage that people read the book because you are so raw and vulnerable. Yes, I wanted the chapter taken out, but as I say, my editors wouldn't do that. And Elon Kimball and Tosca said, it's actually much worse, but it needs to be there. You've got to keep it there. Yeah. 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 You know, one thing I wanted to ask is you got divorced after nine years, I believe in 19, was it 1979? And two years after that, Elon went to live with his dad. Yes. How did that make you feel? It was very sad for me, but the thing is his 
and my ex-mother-in-law was a witch. I mean, so some of you are going to say, yeah, I had a dreadful ex-mother-in-law and she convinced Elon that it's unfair that I have three children and lots of friends and a happy family and he has no friends, no children and miserable. But really she wanted the kids. It wasn't that he wanted it. And Elon believes in fairness and he could see her point and she was good to him. And so then he did move, but then the point is he got a computer, whereas I could never, I mean, I barely could afford bread, never mind a computer. So then that ended up being good because he spent most of the time on the computer and then wrote his first computer program at 12 and then 13 public. Well, at 12, he showed it to me and I was at the university then doing my master of science degree. And I showed it to the engineering students Funny enough, I had a modeling school as well while I was doing my Master of Science degree. It was raising funds for the Dietetic Scholarship Fund. So men were doing the modeling course too, and I think it's because they were pretty girls, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I showed the engineering students. They said, oh, he knows all the shortcuts. So I said to Elon, you should submit it to a magazine, computer magazine, and he did. I don't think they knew he was 12 at the time. It was published when he was 13, and he got 500 rand, which is like $500. Then Kimball missed Elon. So then five years later, Kimball moved to live with his father. And then I saw them every weekend. And there was no problem with that because they'd gotten older and they insisted. So that was great. I had them on weekends. And then I would take them to my twin sister's home and my mother's home. And they would play with their cousins. So that leads me to two questions. Now, the first question is this. When raising your kids, when you were raising Tosca, Kimball, and Elon, was there something that you thought you were doing wrong that today you realized was really, really, really the right part? No, I can't think of anything. (laughs) So next question is this. Obviously nothing. (laughs) Look at them. (laughs) Hmm. I never felt like I was doing something wrong. Why would I do something wrong on purpose, you know? I meant back then, if you thought there was something that you couldn't provide them or there was something that, you know... You couldn't provide them with luxuries. I didn't care. That doesn't bother me. And maybe like in that interview, Elon said to Neil deGrasse Tyson, maybe that was what made him give him his courage because he realized that you can survive in the United States on a dollar a day and not die. Yeah, my children don't have fear. I mean, they had fear like (laughs) in the beginning when the rockets were exploding. Well, I would just want to curl up and cry in the corner, whereas Elon would come out and say, now we find out what went wrong and we will do the next one right. And I thought, what? what's happening here? So, yeah, my children uh, don't have much fear, so it's great. And, and, you know, the thing is what I say in my book too. If you are in a bad situation and then you get out of it, it can just, you're going to have a struggle. But if getting out of the bad situation is worse and there's no hope in what you've chosen, you can go back to a bad situation. You don't have to, you know. But I never returned to bad situations. Beautifully said. What was the, you know, if you had to think about, you've got three really strong, remarkable kids. If you had to think about the best advice or the best lessons they shared with you or the best advice they gave you, what would that be? I think to write this book, well, not to write this book, what should be in my book were my struggles. I think that's something that's going to be good and it won't run out of time. It will help people to have a better life. I think that's the best advice they've given me recently. Yeah. However, when I said I'm moving back to New York, of course, Elon wants me in Texas. Tosca wants me in Georgia. Kimball already has a home for me in Colorado if I'll move there. 
and I'm saying, bye-bye. <laughs> I really need to focus on my profession now. <laughs> I've been spending too much time with grandkids. <laughs> and luckily, so, some of them are teenagers. They don't need to spend time with their grandmother. So I want to ask you this question. I didn't see this in the book, but I'm so curious. What are your spiritual practices like? Like, is it meditation, yoga? What is their particular belief? But what do you believe in spiritually and how do you practice that? I don't know what you mean. What I believe in is just being kind to people and having a good day. I like that. I like yeah. that. So compassion. I tried meditation once. It drove me crazy. I was like, I've got to meditate. I've got to meditate. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I love the honesty of that question. So I'm getting a lot of this question on social media. Okay. So no surprise on this question. I put up a poll on Instagram. What's your biggest question for May Musk? And this is the biggest question. So I thought we'll just ask it, even though it's more about Elon. And the question is basically this. You mentioned multiple times that you started seeing the genius in Elon at the age of three. What did you notice? And what did that make you do differently as a mom? I noticed that he could reason with me. If I would say, well, do that, and he would have a better idea. And it was good. He was so young when he would have a conversation with me that was superior. So that's why I wanted him to go to school at three, you know, a nursery school. And he didn't want to go. And I said, I don't have enough stimulation around. By then I had two others. <laughs> you know, I had three kids in three years. So a little, little sleep deprived and mentally challenged. Yeah, he always was very curious. And when he started reading, anything he read, he memorized. I mean, he, he knew exactly what he'd read. So when he read the Encyclopedia Britannica, because remember, there's no internet then, these were volumes of books, maybe 40 books or something. He memorized it. Now, the funny thing is, I couldn't afford the Encyclopedia Britannica. So that could also be a reason he went to his father, because he had the whole encyclopedia, as well as the Collier's Encyclopedia. And of course, Elon just gets completely absorbed in these books. So when we moved to Canada and Tosca had her first job, the first thing she wanted to do was buy the Encyclopedia Britannica because she was deprived of that. And so she could buy one volume a month from her salary. And so That's she did it and she carried those books around with her. Carried. a beautiful story. You know, yeah. like my mom is here. Mom, you know, the biggest gift you gave me was the Young Children's Encyclopedia Britannica. I read it like cover to cover, like multiple yes. times. Yeah. I think I was like seven or eight years old. And my mom was a school teacher and she saved up to get me that as well. My mom is saying she had to pay by installments too. Yes, yes. So parents, I don't think encyclopedias are a big thing right now. But what I'm doing with my kid right now is I actually trust my kid to watch educational videos on YouTube and he's learning so much from it. My son is... 13 years old, he can challenge any adult on science, on geography, on history, because he's just self-educated himself on YouTube. Isn't that fantastic now? I think Elon has a few honorary doctorates in engineering, but he never got a degree in engineering. But he's so a magnificent engineer. And he has said that you don't have to really go to university. If you can't afford it, you can study everything you can on the internet. We're very fortunate. Then you can, you know, be qualified because you can solve problems. But now my problem with that is that I'm a dietitian. I have two master of science degrees and I follow science. The nonsense out there about diet, food and nutrition and supplements and, and special juices and all that, it's so much nonsense and very expensive nonsense 
They don't want to follow science anymore. So I want to bring up another guest over here, Dana Ackerman. Dana, you put up a question that got a ton of votes. Dana, I'm going to make you a panelist. And whenever you're ready, whenever you have your webcam ready, pop on live, show us your face, and you get to interview May Musk. Hi, Dana. Hello, Dana. Nice to see you. Hello. Hello, May. Hello, Vision. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you, May. I'm honored to be with you here and that you take, took the time to come to Mind Valley. It's great. When he invited me, I, we were thrilled. <laughs> I'm a mother of three as well. I have two boys and a girl. Same. And wow, I mean, you are very inspiring for me. You look gorgeous and you are so full of life and authenticity and open-hearted and your laugh is amazing. <laughs> my, my children laugh big. We have big laughs together too. Where are you from? I come originally from Romania, from Transylvania. So you have good connections now there. Is that where you are right now, Dana? Are you in Romania right now? I am in Germany now. I live in okay. Germany. Okay, well, my book, I think, is being published in Romania, but it's just now in Germany. It's in German. This is great. I just I bought I'm, I'm so thrilled. I think it's going to be so far in 53 countries. So it's being translated all the time. Incredible. 53 I know. Dana, go ahead and ask your question. It's a really, really good question. My question is, I'm concerned about the personalities, the characters of the children. I see in my children, they are so different. I was wondering, how did you support the differences and the different characters and personalities in your children? Yeah, well, I had three children with all three different personalities completely. And I just let them go their own way, you know. Tosca was always into film. She also is an intelligent woman and very strong. And so we thought, well, she should be our lawyer. Well, she couldn't care less about what we think. She went and studied film, and now she's doing what she wants to do. Because before that, she was working with film companies, and then the woman was always tragic, and she doesn't like that. So <laughs> she's now doing something she really loves. With Kimball, he studied business and then he went into, you know, business with Elon, starting their first internet company. You know, they both worked so hard on all that. And then, you know, but what he really, when they sold their first company, he always loved cooking and he cooked for us because I'm a bad cook. <laughs> so that's why he opened all the farm to table restaurants. He wanted to help the farmers to come and help them to do that. And then, of course, Elon was really, to me, the genius of the world. <laughs> So when it was the first company that I invested in, because I only I didn't have much, but they needed food and, uh, you know, to be able to just have some clothes. And I didn't have much. But, you know, when he started the first company, it was door-to-door -door directions. And then you could click on a link and you could actually go to a restaurant. I mean, that was unheard of. It was bizarre. But to me, it made sense that it would be easier in this world if this happens. So nowadays we take it for granted. But can you imagine the very beginning was... They went to a meeting, Elon and Kimball, to a venture capitalist, and then he grabbed the yellow pages book and he says, you'll never replace this. Now, I'm sure people don't know what the yellow pages are. And then after that, it was he, he started PayPal. You know, when he was doing PayPal, I thought, well, it's ridiculous. You can't send money through an email. It's like the dumbest thing ever. Can you imagine? And then 
Then I said, wow, this is great. Then I said, I need to send money to my mom in Canada. So then it became international. I think it's my fault. I don't know <laughs> if it was me who made him do it, but he certainly had to do it for me. And then when after PayPal was sold, he said, should I do space uh, rockets or should I do solar panels or should I do electric cars? And I said, you just do one thing. And he didn't listen to me. <laughs> so we gave it all, did all three. He was just interviewed in Germany because he, for the Giga Factory, and they said, where are you sleeping tonight? And he said, in the factory. They said, well, why are you sleeping in the factory? Because that's where you know what's going on. You go to the factory, and he still sleeps in the factories, you know? This is amazing. I can resonate with those times because everything is developing so fast. And I remember the telephone with the, the beginnings. Smiling, uh, <laughs> yes. Just let your children go their own way and develop their own talents and then they are happier. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. So you gave me a lot of courage to trust, to trust my children. Yes. And also I work with children with autism and ADHD. But then they often have talents like, for example, at school, I was really good at math and science, but there were people who could draw beautifully and I didn't know how they did it because I had no talent in drawing. And then they became good artists and I went into sciences. So the thing is people go in different, and I felt sorry for them because they couldn't do math. And I thought, but it's so easy. So you see, when they thought drawing was easy. So again, if your children have certain, certain talents, let them go in their way and then they will be happier. Thank you so much, Dana. That was such a fun question. That's my dad standing in the background. Dad, everybody can see you in the background, so you might as well come Hello. up and say hi. <laughs> Hello. Also, the white hair, man. I was enjoying the conversation. Thank you. Hello, and thank you. Thank you. I'm thank you, so, Dana. so happy. Please give some cheers nice. to Dana for asking such a fun question. Dad, you see, like, gray hair can make you look so sexy. Look at that. <laughs> you look sexy. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Dad, do you have a question for May Musk? No, I think uh, Elon Musk is God sent through you. Thank you. Certainly it was a hard birth. <laughs> As any mother will contest to birth, yeah, giving birth. <laughs> he had a huge head. <laughs> really? If you, will you see how big his head is? Yeah. 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 That, I, I can still remember that. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Thank you, Dad. May, this is, I love how natural you are. Love how natural everyone has been. This has been such a fun family conversation. So of all the different adventures you've had, all of the different things you've experienced in life, my final question to you in our last four minutes or so, if you met a genie and the genie said you could relive five minutes of your life, five minutes of anything you experienced in life, what would that be if you could relive just five minutes well, the five minutes is always me with my three kids and 12 grandchildren. Every time that happens, it's the most joyous time and I want to do it again. How often do you guys come together with 12 grandchildren and three kids? Well, it's not easy nowadays. So it's usually it's not that many kids, not all the grandkids. So we'll, we'll just have to see. You know, it's just weird times now. To have them all together, maybe three times a year, but then definitely I see them separately. I want to end with just this question. Was there anything that you wish I had asked you but haven't asked you yet? I loved your questions and I loved the questions of your viewers. They, 
really nice people. Good for you. Wonderful. Thank you, May. Thank you for your legacy on the planet. Thank you for showing up with such beauty, grace, kindness, and compassion. Thank you for instilling that in your children. Thank you for ensuring that you raise children who are compassionate and wanted to heal the world and not evil geniuses. Because imagine <laughs> if Elon was an evil genius. I would never allow that. <laughs> I like the way you just waved your finger. That was very like evil genius of you. You, you should no. stroke a white cat yeah. as you say no, that. No, no evil. Do no evil. <laughs> yeah. It's been so delightful having you on the Mind Valley podcast. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.